podcast before? Well, the podcast you're listening to now is Ribbon of Memes, episode 12? 12. 12. Yes, I got it right, finally. This is a podcast in which we tie down and mercilessly interrogate films previously described by other contenders as masterpieces. This year we're breaking into the 80s, picking up our boxing gloves and stepping into the ring um, with 1981's Raging Bull, directed by Martin Scorsese, and I am Nick, and I'm joined as ever by the um, the redoubtable, ravaging, Rocky Roger. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> see, I was sorry, there, sorry. Let, is... let me do that in a slightly more manly way. Oh, <laughs> oh my. I think we've had an insight into a lot of things there that weren't necessarily <laughs> required. So, um. 1980, 1980, yep. um, Martin Scorsese, Raging Bull. Um, my brief summary of Raging Bull would be possible worst human alive, Jake LaMotta, slowly graduates to actual worst stand-up comedy man alive <laughs> <laughs> um, via the medium of um, misogyny and toxic masculinity. And boxing. Um, oh, yeah, there's boxing in there too, yes. <laughs> Raging Bull. Um, well, yeah, Roger, so, over to you. L- yeah, l- let me be non-spoilery about this. I started off hating these people and this story. Then I progressed right. to, I don't hate them anymore because I don't really care about them. Right. And then I progressed to, but okay, ignoring that, what what actual filmic qualities can we appreciate here? And I think there were some. I mean, the problem <laughs> is the characters of the plot are basically to- toxic masculinity, the movie. If anybody uh, yeah. asks you what it is, just show them this. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's a very good... So, yeah, I managed to crowbar into it. You, you summarised it much better than I could. That's a perfect example of toxic so masculinity. It, it is perhaps worth mentioning. Uh, th- this is based on the autobiography of the actual Jack LaMotta. Yes, he was a consultant on this film. He was, perhaps surprisingly, unhappy with the, res- <laughs> the <laughs> results of this film. Uh, not to the point of kind of suing or getting his name removed from it. I did, I don't want to be cruel to the man, I did look into his biography. Um, I did, I'm not going to read the book, um, Raging Bull. Um, but actually what happened and the details of his life are broadly true. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he didn't completely retire boxing after his fights with Sugar Ray uh, Robinson, and he he did carry on a bit longer, but uh, otherwise he he doesn't seem to have been particularly different from the filmic character. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> it's particularly different from the character portrayed in the film. As far as I can see, I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of boxing in general, uh, but mm. the impression I've got is that most of the time, every individual boxer is either on the way up or on the way down. You don't, yes. you don't tend, you know, once, once you've started getting defeated, you tend to keep getting defeated. Right. So, so there's very few sudden so turnarounds the, in boxing. I mean, uh, it, it happens. Recovery. But the yes. trajectory we see here is, you know, of, of gradual success and then he gets the shot at the big time and he gets the big time and then he comes down again. That's actually quite usual. So, well, that's okay. So. It, by that rationale, you could frame a rise and fall story about pretty much any box you were kept, anyone that actually rose at all. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you have on the waterfront, I guess, <laughs> yeah. um, which we'll talk about later, um, probably. But okay, so you could frame that about any boxer at all. He does seem to have been a difficult, a particularly difficult character well in, t- in terms of certainly style, in terms of the film and the reason it's called raging bull the reason it got called that is while boxing in general was shifting more towards a more agile perhaps a more scientific approach his yes. his style and it worked very well for him uh was basically getting close don't worry about taking punishment just keep dishing it out Exactly. In my uh, computer game terminology, he was a tank. <laughs> he would basically survive long enough to uh, not necessarily perhaps hit as hard as some of the others, but he certainly took enough punishment that he stood close enough to them that eventually he, he just overwhelmed them. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I guess it's from... interesting because, you know, the obvious guy you, you might make a boxing film about is Sugar Ray Robinson. Yes, and I've read criticism of this film that why why not make it of Sugar Ray Robinson, who, who was a 
much more interesting character with a much more interesting... Okay, well, let's let's lay that on the table then. For me, um, I mean, it's an interesting film. And, and from this point, I am uh, having touched on the fact that it is the biography of, of uh, Jake LaMotta. I'm now going to leave the true Jake LaMotta behind because I know mm-hmm. nothing more about him. Yeah, and we're just talking here. about the film from this point. Um, he. Uh, it's an interesting film in that it is a pretty unremitting, unapologetic portrayal of a deeply flawed, unpleasant man who is, I would say, hard to feel any sympathy for, um, uh, and is very much the engine of his own destruction. Um, One one of the notes I made as I was watching was, oh, te poor mens, they're all sensitive and nobody understands them. Yeah, exactly. That yeah, I think that covers it for a, a lot of it for me. That he is, um, he's an unsympathetic character. He is, um, as you have very succinctly pointed out, he's he's basically toxic, toxic masculinity made flesh. He's jealous. He's he's a victim of, as I've read a few times, um, in relation to this film, he suffers from the uh, what do you call it, the Freudian whore. Madonna, Madonna complex, yeah. the Madonna hawk, whereas basically he's unable to see women as either vaginal, virginal, as opposed to vaginal, <laughs> or um, or whores. Basically, um, everybody is one or the other, and if they're sleeping yes. with him, they're obviously whores. Exactly. I, th- I think. I mean, if if we're going to be amateur psychoanalysts here, there's probably a self-image thing as well. You know, she's prepared to sleep with me, and I, and, I, and I'm rubbish. Therefore, obviously, she will sleep with anything. It's basically an extended version of Groucho Marx as any club that I wouldn't want to be a member of. Um, So uh, I I think it's an unflinching portrayal of that. Um, But I wasn't entirely sure. This may be getting to a a very broad theme very early on. I just wasn't sure of the point of it. I mean, in some ways, I applaud it for that. But to me, in, you know, we know toxic men. Maybe it's easier to say from the concept, from the standpoint of 2021. Yeah, we we have the vocabulary in the concepts. Exactly. We're aware of these extremely destructive characters and the effects they have on other people's lives. This, I felt, Raging Bull is uh, interested in the least interesting character in that story. You know, that the toxic mm. man himself is utterly uh, uninteresting to me. I, I'm interested in his background and his story and the effects he has on other people, but I don't know. I got the feeling, and the reason I've launched into this diatribe slightly earlier is I got the feeling that the reason we're following him is because he's a white guy. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't want to say it's so right. I, I wasn't sure what it was. He, about he's a white him. guy of Italian extraction as well. So yes, and obviously that is someone that Scorsese himself can identify with perhaps more easily and probably again this is all supposition probably grew up around people like this or certainly knew people like this not necessarily boxers but with that personality type well it it did seem to me that what we got a lot of particularly in the in the early stages of the film is really very little about jake's personality but much more Mm. about the environment he's coming from you know the neighborhood the apartment building everybody's shouting the arguments Jake specifically, not so much. I mean, he, he's a guy from that environment who can fight. Yes, exactly. And all the other guys that we are shown, which is not many, his brother specifically, behave in a similar way. His brother is like a slight, I'm not sure about more self-aware, but slightly wilier version of Jake who can't fight, or, or at least can't fight in the ring, because mm-hmm. he's certainly capable of violence to other humans, which is, which is lovely. Um, I, I just want, I think, yeah, I, I am not sure of why we had a focus on Jake. I think it's a very good, well-made focus on a human. I'm just, I wish they hadn't picked that human because yeah. I, I had very little sympathy or interest in him. Well, I, th- I think what gets a lot of attention from people who like the film more than we did uh, yeah. is De Niro's performance. And I, th- mm. I think one has one has to try to distinguish between I enjoyed this performance and I enjoyed the part he played, because I I don't think even mm. people who who love this film would say that he's in any way a sympathetic character. No, maybe, I've not maybe read a ti- any, but maybe a tiny bit. But yeah, I mean, we the first time we see him outside the ring, it, he he's in the wife beater. It's all kitchen sink drama. 
the angry young yeah. man thing. Mm. I'm talking about his small hands, and I'm sure that wouldn't be code for anything. <laughs> oh my God, yes, well spotted. But um, I mean, one of the things that got mentioned a lot is, hey, he gained sixty pounds for the, for the scenes of old Jake. Yeah. yeah, give me two months and an expense account and a trip to Northern Italy, and I will undertake to gain £60 too. Apparently they had to kind of rush through those scenes because it was, you know, causing him health problems, as, mm-hmm. as it may do. Besides, I, Yes, it's a, to me, I don't know. It, it's I actually entirely that... realistic. I, I have known people, uh, I knew, knew one guy who was um, US Air Force, and because of a training accident, suddenly went from high energy, high exercise lifestyle to basically sedentary yes and yet he got very fat very quickly because his his habit was simply that's how much i eat yeah so it, it it is entirely plausible that he might suddenly go up like that the moment he stops training yeah it's uh, yes it's just i uh, yes in a way De Niro's before i've seen it before with what's the uh, there's a um, christian bale film called the machinist mm-hmm. where he loses an incredible amount of weight and and looks skeletal in it I don't know, that seems to be, you know, it's a shock, like the acting performance here. I don't know, I mean, it. I'm not saying... Well, it's, it's not a shock, because we see it right at the start. Well, exactly, it's interesting here that um, you are sh- in- shown the the aged Lamotta right at the start. Uh, I, it got me, th- in fact, the whole film got me thinking, is De Niro really a good actor? Is getting fat on demand really? An- <laughs> I mean, I think, I, I, I suppose the answer to my own question would be, yes, he's a very good actor, um, I don't know that he has a huge amount of range, and I, yeah. I certainly don't think he is necessarily the greatest actor of his generation. Um, not on the basis of the films that I have seen. I've seen De Niro play a number of very similar characters, mm. uh, usually in Scorsese films, but not always. To, to be fair, if you've got an actor who knows and accepts that his range is limited and doesn't try to go too far outside it, what you'll end up with is a much better performance than somebody who doesn't accept his limitations. That's true. So, some people, I mean, I feels like a subtle dig, dig at my <laughs> accent somewhere. I, I'm always fond of mentioning Joel Grey or Tim Curry, um, mm. for both of whom, I, yeah, I can I can show somebody a film with them in it and then say, "What did you think of X?" Uh, he, has, he has performance, and he said, "Oh crap, that was him." From, from people <laughs> who haven't seen him before, and yeah, that 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 is what I think of as really superb acting range. But yeah, you, you don't need that well to win an Oscar. <laughs> Well, certainly not doing it. And, and yes, just, I suppose that begs the question, which is probably a bit deeper. Than what what are we really saying? Is the what it what is what makes you a greatest actor? I don't know. It just feels like putting on weight feels like a shorthand for that, or losing putting on weight, losing weight on demand. He do, yeah. Let's be fair here. De Niro does a great job of portraying this fairly stupid, violent guy. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Un- unfortunate. Well, that's another interesting. Um, so. De Niro's performance is excellent. Um, uh, at but again, it feels much like the whole film to me. There's a lot of effort and artifice put into exactly as you say portraying this character that I don't, I don't really see why the spotlight's on him. Mm. We we touched on it before, but Sugar Ray Robinson are much more interesting. There's so many, you know. Sonny Liston was a pretty unpleasant. Ca- I'm no boxing fan, but you know the pretty unpleasant characters that have a more interesting story mm. than than Jane. But I, I suppose. If we have to judge what the point of the story was, it was to to have a, a long, unblinking look at this type of character. Mm. But it doesn't really... It, it's a film that is weirdly, uh, I felt, uninterested in boxing. I mean, Scorsese himself thinks boxing is boring and mm. hasn't particularly changed his opinion. Well, the way, the way it was shot was interesting because I, I think... Uh, yeah, if if you've seen televised boxing, you know what the what the standard um, thing looks like, even if you haven't been to a match in person. Yes, and it's deliberately not doing that. Is saying right, well, let's have the in ring camera. Yeah, um, we're we're right up in there. With we're them, we're not we? just a spectator; we're experiencing it. And the, the thing, yeah, the, this is what gave me the idea. Um, it's it's fast moving and somewhat confusing, but you can basically make out what's going on. Yeah. At first, in the later fights, it's a lot harder to work out what's going on. Yes. And my theory is that this is basically Lamotta's viewpoint. Look, uh, call it unreliable narrator, if you like. It's it's basically the things he remembers, perhaps a few years later. 
So I think that's the, the a ma- really good idea. Yeah. So the fights he's winning, you, you remember in some detail, the fights he's losing is getting a bit more hazy and he can't quite remember where that punch came from. Um, but that also feeds into the rest of the story, I think, because, for example, his first wife simply vanishes from the story. Yes, yeah, so we never find out her name, or I didn't notice it if we did. Um, and yeah, she just, there's no mention I mean, of divorce. Su- somewhere along the way there was a divorce, presumably, but yes. uh, he, he gets banned from the ring, but pretty much the next time we see him, he's fighting again because that was boring. It wasn't interesting, it wasn't fun. He went to prison, yeah. he's got that one big scene in prison, and then bam, he's out again. So I, I think the common factor here is it's what he remembers and what he enjoys remembering. Because right. this, this is somebody who basically... Or at least just, what sticks out in his mind, yes. Yeah. yeah. He just does what his instinct tells him to do at the moment. You know, he's got what he wants. It's all sunshine and kitties and being generous to all his friends. He's frustrated anyway, he lashes out. Uh, well, that is, that's a really good theory about this, because there's actually very few scenes of Jake kind of being happy and enjoying life mm-hmm. in any way, really. There's signs when he's... There's moments when he's lustful... Um, of his second wife, Kathy Moriarty's character, who I've Vicky, yeah. Vicky, yes. Um, there's signs when he's kind of lustful of her, but he's, I, I hard to say that he was particularly happy during those scenes. The way, uh, the way she's introduced at the poolside, it, it seems to me that one of the, that one of the reasons she appeals to him is not just because she's beautiful, but because she is someone else's property that he can take away. Yes. Yeah, she, yes. she she is with another guy, and then once she's acquired, yeah, and and also speaking of once she's acquired, she uh, uh, she then just becomes a source of frustration for him. Um, uh, some some and, kids turn up at some point, but you know they aren't interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also to add fuel to your theory, whenever there's a moment when Jake. Where a frequent moment when Jake is jealous of an interaction with another man, that it totally uh, and very similar to a few moments in the ring when he's about to get punched. Um, the whole camera slows down, and that's there's a slight balletic dancing movement of these two figures as he watches them, and it drums into his mind. Presumably, I guess with your theory, as he plays it over and over again, that well-worn moment. Maybe so. Head. Yeah, I, I gather there well, there was some mucking about with um, frame rate. Uh, during the filming, I don't know how well that carries through to the modern mid- video converted versions that we've been watching, but um, I, I've, I've seen one or two contemporary reviews that say that this was quite startling. He suddenly, okay. go, suddenly goes up to 36 a second or something. To me, it just looks like it's in slow mo. So that, <laughs> that probably just lost, that probably lost something. That's all I'll, I will give that. But I think it was interesting anyway. I mean, I wouldn't say it was yeah. ineffective. Um, they make me look like a bum. Jake, you are a bum. <laughs> you know, boxing is trying to distance itself from its criminal brawling roots and you are all right for for reasons you didn't feel you had a choice but you are dragging it right back down there by throwing a fight <laughs> well yeah, they punished was... you because you did a bad thing yes well that was the one i, I suppose one of my definitions of do i like a film uh as well as you know do i like the characters I mean, characters is hard in this because really it's Jake and his brother are really the main characters. Vicky is barely a character, though. That what I see of her, she's interesting, but she's all again. And I think I do subscribe to your theory. It's all through Jake's eyes, and therefore mm. she's a kind of flat, standoffish personality in a lot of ways, and kind of slutty in others, which is really how Jake sees her, I suppose. Mm. Um, uh, but I will say, when he throws the fight. Not at that time, but when he's crying afterwards, it's hard to see a man in pain and a well acted, you know, a man clearly upset. And De Niro um, portrays it brilliantly that he is heartbroken. Sure. Um, and I was moved by that very brief, mm-hmm. for a brief moment in that scene, I was moved. And then I remembered who he was and what he'd done. <laughs> and I just felt you des- you're not deserving of sympathy at all. I, it is, it's not news that, you know, boxing is corrupt and that good, good men have to throw fights and lose their integrity to progress. Uh, but the well, film didn't seem desperately interested in the mob angle either. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the guy the brother is always talking to who, who is a mob guy, but it doesn't really seem to feed through into anything that no. happens. Um, it's certainly in with the mob, isn't it? It's not clear quite yeah. how. But... Uh, the, the, this film had two official scriptwriters, 
um one mm. after one after the other and the, and then um de niro and uh Scorsese. Ah, thank you. Yes, nominal aphasia. Uh, worked on the script further during filming, but um, the the original guy, Mardik Martin, uh, said that he he looked at the book and was told, you know, let's have an adaptation of this. And he said, the the trouble is the damn thing has been done a hundred times before. A fighter yeah. who has trouble with his brother and his wife, and the mob is after him. There there wasn't anything he felt, at least, to get hold of. Yes, and so uh, that first play, the screen uh, attempt didn't have his brother in, I think, and there were a number of changes. They really didn't like it. Um, I mean, this came at a time in Scorsese's career when he was hugely addicted to drugs and nearly died from uh, cocaine mm-hmm. uh, uh, and lithium. Um, <laughs> funny, funny combination of them. Uh, uh, toxicants to me. Um so, but something in it appealed to both De Niro and Scorsese, and it mm-hmm. became quite a personal film to them. And it does feel like that. It just there is little in it that appeals to me. Mm. Um, I, I'm not a boxing fan, but neither is Scorsese. Um, I'm not a fan of Toxic Man. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, we. I, I think. It, I suppose. I was trying to think. What is the um, what are the what was the point of it? And films don't have to have a point, you know. The ones we've enjoyed most on this podcast have quite often been ones without a point, other than just touching on social commentary. But I feel, I suppose, you could you could argue it as a, a fable against the perils of toxic masculinity. Um, uh, except uh, for me, there, there's was... there's never a point at which you see the guy making a choice, making the wrong choice. No. <laughs> No, and that's in a way I was going to talk about the throwing the fight scene. That I mean, it doesn't have an impact particularly. He's devastated at the time, but it gives him a shot at the title. But he was already pretty unpleasant guy before, and he continues to be pretty <laughs> unpleasant guy afterwards. It didn't seem to be a huge uh, career changing moment. Well, maybe it was career changing. It didn't seem to be personality changing. Um, I'm more interested if we're going to study a character like that. I mean. There's, there wasn't any. I've talked about subtext before, and how, but there wasn't. You got the impression, and I think it was well done in this film. There isn't more to Jack. There's not mm. like hidden depths that you're not understanding. He's just uh, a selfish guy who wants what he wants and uh, uses violence to get it. That was the thing that that actually quite threw me because we've we've had this thoroughgoing portrayal of. As you, as you say. And then there's the billboard saying he's doing the readings from, you know, Paddy Chayefsky and Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, there's no suggestion in the previous runtime of the film that they were in any way interest of his. Or, mm-hmm. uh, I think that was similarly jarring when he suddenly becomes a stand up. I mean, the only reason that wasn't a total and utter where the f- did that come from is that the scene open, the film opens with him as a, a terrible, awful stand up comic. Mm-hmm. So you know that's where he's going to end up, but there's not really. You never get the impression he enjoys watching people like that or or yeah. is charismatic, is the centre of attention, or at least tries to be, even though he's awful. King of Comedy does this much better, which is another Scorsese film mm-hmm. with um, Robert De Niro. Uh, it's a much better film, for, in my humble opinion. But it, it's very... It's just like, well, this happened then, and I didn't understand where that came from. Yeah. If we're talking about characters, though, shall, shall we move on to Brother Joey? Oh, yes, OK. Joe Pesci playing Joe Pesci. Uh, and well, the same character yeah. as he has been in every other film I've seen him in. Though, the, yeah, the, this was only his second credited role. Um, apparently, De, De Niro saw him in, in fact, his only other credited role, a, a low-budget film called The Death Collector, which is basically, you know, a guy a guy becomes a debt collector for the mafia and it doesn't go well. And he, oh, he right. and fair enough. The, it, it's one of those films where, have you seen that thing where you know the film has been completely forgotten, but somebody who became famous later had a tiny part in it? And then, okay. So they re-release it as um, the same title. First role with, with Joe Pesci. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. That that film is actually on the Internet Archive. Uh, I, I have not yet watched it, but but I have downloaded it because I'm just interested at this point. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, but yeah, that was his only other credited part. Uh, it was four years earlier. He was working in and living above a restaurant. He'd pretty much given up film acting at that yeah. point, hadn't he? 
Yeah. I, I, I think he, he'd done an occasional bit of stand-up, an occasional bit of music. I mean, he was in that world, but he, he wasn't getting anywhere. So this is very much, I mean, okay, De Niro was already a well-known actor. Yes. But this this turned Joe Pesci By this into point, a star. So De Niro, just about, he'd done the two Godfather films and Taxi Driver by now. Mm-hmm. Amongst all of which are regarded as masterpieces, none of which we've covered here. Um, uh, yes, but Joe Pesci uh, ascended, well, I don't know about to the heavens, but yes, became a star because of it. As I say, I mean, Joe Pesci, it is the same character I've seen him in in every other film. Uh, and not that I dislike it, I don't, I, I can see why you might find that character irritating. I found it, I, I've always enjoyed Joe Pesci. Um, we will talk about more about my feeling on other Scorsese films later. Um, well, but I, I here, found, he, here yeah. he's a relief, I thought. Well, I, I found an, an interesting uh, skew because when he talks, his lines are just the patter. It's just that, mm. you know, yes, I am part of this whole um, male world set up and yes. we are accusing each other of being gay and all the rest of it. But yeah. his delivery is funny because he's Joe Pesci. Well, that's it. He, uh, well, I, here in the UK, we have, oh, God, I hesitate to compare the two, but we have Joe Pasquale, who is a stand-up comic, who is a, a, a slightly diminutive, slightly um, higher-voiced character. And there is something, he, he's fully embraced the slightly comedic nature of his physicality. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joe, uh, uh, jo, uh, sorry, um, Joe Pesci uh doesn't really, but there is something about. Well, I find it a relief to see him on screen here. Yes, partially because he is. Oh goodness, I I don't want to be mean to him physically, but there is something <laughs> about him that is just comedic, which is played against perfectly in some of other, um, some of Scorsese's other films, um, where that is actually he is a psychopath, but it's portrayed, you know, because he's funny. In fact, that's one of my favourite scenes in mm. all films is funny how from goodfellas which we can talk about some other time um Uh, but here he's a relief because he says some of the things about jake lamotta he stands up to him Mm -hmm. and he says things to jake lamotta which you're thinking yourself you know you're thinking (laughs) why are you such an awful guy but he's also not dramatically different to jake uh they come from the same place but he's not he's not the professional fighter yeah yeah and it's uh, uh, it, he is an interesting character. I don't know that you really get much of a handle on his character, other than he's like Jake, only less so, or like Jake, well, only slightly cunning. There, there was one particular scene, uh, the the last one he's in. Uh, so you know, J- Jake, Jake has come out of a nightclub, and and he's, he's spotted Joey across the street, and he, fo- he follows him into, into the parking garage, and. and this is after they've been estranged for, estranged for years. However many years, yeah. Yes. And I have read in several different reviewers um, this described as a reconciliation. <laughs> oh my God, really? But I have been the guy who's accosted by somebody you knew years ago who, who is very, 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 very drunk. Yeah, and all you want to do is say whatever it will take to make them go away and stop bothering you. Yeah, and, and that I mean, is exactly the the feeling I got of this scene. Goodness, I mean, if that is what Jake Lamotta has to, in place of redemption, then flipping heck, yeah, he's basically extremely aggressively affectionate to him, um, and his brother drives off him saying, "You'll call me," and he'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll call you," with no <laughs> clearly no intention of ever calling. Yeah, him. just so. Yeah, that's, um, I suppose if I cared in any way about Jake Nowater at that point, that would have been a heartbreaking scene. It's <laughs> certainly not a redemptive. But it's a reconcil- bit late by now. Well, yeah, except by that point, I just, I was, um, I, I was hoping for the film to be over by then. I, I just, I didn't want to spend any more time in company with this man. I, I, mm. he had little to say to me. I was, the other thing that occurred to me about maybe one of the things the film was trying to say, and I, I shouldn't be trying to put words in the mouth of the filmmaker other than, I don't know. I think if you're, if you're asking yourself, 
what is the purpose of this film, then it's already failed a bit because, you know, the purpose <laughs> of the film is as entertainment. Honestly, it didn't entertain me in any way. Mm. And so what else is it trying to tell me? And I don't, there are other things that films can do. So I wondered, is it trying to say that the the characteristics that make you strong in the ring are also the characteristics that make you an awful human being. These characteristics that are celebrated in the sport also are extremely destructive to you. Mm. But then I thought, well, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson, Muhammad Ali, you know, (laughs) not all these characters are utter failures at humanity, but they were more successful than Jake LaMotta. Um, So I'm not sure. And even if that was true, it seems a bit of a, I don't know. Perhaps I, I think I just soured on the film at this point. It mm. feels like to me like a fairly banal point that I, that was. The film doesn't really try be try. What confused me about this film? It doesn't really seem to be trying to make any point particularly. Yeah. Uh, it just is a, a very close up focus of an extremely unpleasant, shallow man. It reminds me a little of uh, Badlands, the, the first episode yes. that we recorded. I mean, what one expects a certain amount of condemnation or praise yeah. or something yeah. about how do I feel about this guy I am portraying? Well, I'll be honest. I felt uh, I agree with you, that, but I really did feel feel with Malik in Badlands. There was a kind of a measured, deliberate neutrality. Mm. Like it almost went out of its way. You know, with I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm reading too much into it. With Scorsese, I. I felt, I don't know, there's something exceptional about the characters in Badlands. Mm. Um, with Jake LaMotta, I, I didn't feel he's particularly exceptional. There are hundreds of men like that. Not Perhaps not all as good at fighting as Jake LaMotta. But I, I got the impression that the Scorsese, there's something about him that kind of admires it and that is really putting words in I, I, mm. I couldn't think why else we were watching this film if there wasn't something in his character which interested Scorsese um, and De Niro that just didn't me and that I guess that's where I struggle and that to me I, I feel there is a difference with Malick's film in that mm. they're self-evidently interesting in Badlands these are characters that kind of cry out for explanation and you don't have one <laughs> With with Jake LaMotta, he's fairly easily explained, and mm. I'm not interested. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's a problem for me. And so, oh, similarly, just, I mean, all right, it's not 1980 anymore, and we can simply say, yeah, there does seem to be a, a, be a bit of homoerotic subtext here. Um, not, <laughs> yes. not so much in the ring as, you know, the way they're constantly accusing each other of being fags and all the rest of it. And the, the way I see it is not, not so much... Particularly that they that they want to screw each other, but straight white men are the norm, and women are different and weird, and you can't understand them. So you know, you you hang around with men, uh, rugged th- manly men. Yes, yeah. And th- 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 there was a th- the famous quote of uh, "Only sissies sleep with women." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, feels as if it could be said absolutely straight here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, well. I feel on that point that any homoerotic subtext is wasn't so much intentional of Scorsese, almost just faithfully recreated from what he'd seen around him. It, it didn't yeah, seem like I, he had I, much I to say about it. I don't think he's seeing it himself. I think, as you say, he's just he's putting it there because it feel it feels this is a plausible thing for those guys to be saying. Yeah, and doing, yeah, and, yeah, and. I do. The, I do I, there is that, a part that of it. bloody sponge moment. He's Ugh. so proud. I mean, he, look at this. He's saying, "Look at this." That that you know, we, we the, there is so much blood that we are sponging them down with the blood that has previously run off them because it's just We're got washing him with his own blood. Yes, and and similarly with the with the blood on the rope. Yeah, and did it have a shocking effect at the time? I don't know. It doesn't say anything to me. Maybe that is, I did wonder, you know, we are not boxing film fans, we're not boxing fans, we're not particularly sports film fans, we haven't seen Rocky, and it felt, maybe this was a bit, it did occur to me a bit during the film, maybe this is a bit like watching Unforgiven, having never seen any Mm. other Western. So what you're watching is the deconstruction of a, a, 
a genre that I'm not aware of. And so yeah. that might be a problem. You know, that is, uh, it would well, certainly. Yeah, that, that, that's where I, I, I have a, Pauline Kale wrote a superb review of this. Of course she did. Which, which I'm not simply going to read out at length, though my word I could. It, it's very good. Um, but one of the things she said is, um, that he's, if you look at 40s movies, the cliches which bored people at the time may seem like fun, and it's easy to see why Scorsese is drawn to them. But when he reproduces them, he reproduces the mechanical quality they had, and the fun goes out of them. And so what, her argument okay, is certainly yeah. that he, he's doing it in the 40s style. Yes. And I, I am not familiar with 40s boxing films. I'm sure they're out there. So yeah, that might play into it. That he's he's almost like um, uh, he's recreating it to to portray these previously heroic characters in a different light, perhaps. Maybe. Um, but it uh, it was slightly lost on, well, probably both of us. If that was the case, that's that's an interesting point by Cal. That yes, he he kind of reproduced it, uh, uh, reproduced things that people were already thought were cliched in the forties and and sort of forgotten about and moved on from. The ringside things were interesting. There was a moment when, um, where during, and it is a, it's a really, I mean, I, I keep coming, it's a well-made film. I, I mm. like the dialogue style. Personally, I quite, I quite like the kind of sing-song nature of the, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I, I just, there's something about it that I quite like, but it, at times, um, I must say it does, having seen other Scorsese, this is slightly weird, because it feels a bit of a parody. Almost, it's like just like uh, almost the extreme version of Scorsese that I've seen before. It's just mm-hmm. constant. You sleep on my sister. You sleep on my wife. Hey, fuck you. It's just all the time. Um, but I quite, I quite enjoy sinking into that. Uh, I, I like the realism of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've got another bit of bit of kale for that. Uh, listening to Jake and Joey go at each other like the macho clowns in Cassavetes movies. I know I'm supposed to be responding to a powerful ironic realism, but I just feel trapped. Jake says, you dumb fuck, and Joey says, you dumb fuck. And they repeat it and repeat it, and I think, what am I doing here watching these two dumb fucks? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, we should just, uh, basically, from now on, we should just read Pauline Kale's review at the beginning and then stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have re- I have disagreed with Pauline Kale before. But oh, yeah, absolutely. Here. She says it perfectly. That's a much better way than... than... We, we have, of course, le- left out the other character in the film, Vicky. We have. So this, I mean, this is Kathy Moriarty's her. film debut. Yeah, she was nineteen, um, I think. Eighteen, nineteen, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Joe Pesci saw her winning a bathing beauty contest at a bar and said, "You should read for this part." Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> uh, I got the impression she, she was slightly cast for a husky voice, perhaps. Yeah. As but, well as obviously other qualities. But she was the one who wasn't made a star by it. Yeah, I did. I, I was going to look she, at... she, she, she's, she's had a fair old career. I mean, various, she, she, she was still working up to a few years ago. She's got, she's got stuff in pre-production now, but it's always been minor stuff, you know, nothing one has heard of. What, so what do you feel about her acting in this? Her character and her acting, both of those things? Well, the, the character is a very passive one and yeah. because, um, as I say, I, th- I think it's basically Jake's viewpoint. We, we don't see any subtlety that the, that, the character might have because he isn't perceiving that subtlety. Yes. I mean, when, when, when she walks out on him, I think that's a complete surprise to him. Yes, because, well, because yeah, she's we, threatened we, it a number of times before. Yeah, I mean, we, we have seen him threatening violence and being violent to her, but I, th- I think we're getting the feeling that, that that is just the way he, well, the way he be. Um, yes, and he just thought that cycle would carry on forever. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's, she does a decent job, um, particularly, uh, again, in her last scene, the, the one where he's, you know, she, she has already said, I'm leaving you, but she hasn't quite actually got, got separated yet, and, and he's coming up to pry the uh, jewels out of the championship belt to try, try to bribe himself out of jail. Smart move, Jake. <laughs> I mean, haven't you heard of eBay? Come on. <laughs> Sorry. But, but also the, the, the guy he goes to has the right of it. You know, the championship belt. Yeah. Isn't that is, is a much more valuable thing in terms yeah. of what, yeah, never mind anything else, just in terms of what people would pay for it than yeah. some random jewels, which probably aren't anything much. Yeah. That was, but, a, I, but, I, I but, but her, it. her play there, uh, her acting there is, is 
really quite effective. You know, fin- finally she's getting to say no. But, you know, this, this is not going to keep happening like this. Okay, yes. she still doesn't actually get to do it. She doesn't get to throw him out, but... Well, that is one of the few scenes she stands up to him and doesn't get punched, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, don't, I, I I thought she did well with what she had. She didn't have much. And I, I, mm. the more I think, the more we talk about it, the more I think you're absolutely... And it's actually making me slightly more forgiving of the film. If this whole thing is really Jake's viewpoint and Jake's memories... Then it explains a lot about why everyone is fairly superficial and it's fairly simplistic. <laughs> so there's a lot of gaps in it. It can I, excuse practically anything. It can. So can't let's it? not so take I, it to I, extremes. I um, like that theory. Though one thing I did notice, I mean, generally I say if I notice a soundtrack, it's failed. But really the only times I notice the soundtrack here is in, in those scenes of violence where, where we get the classical music. Mm. And that, that seemed yeah. very self-indulgent, but the rest of the time, and the reason they couldn't release the soundtrack for a couple of decades, uh, is it's mostly diegetic music. It's music that is appropriate to the time period that would have been on the radio, in the background, in the clubs, whatever. Um, to some extent, uh, Scorsese said, you know, music he remembered from when he was growing up. So that, that works really well. It, it gives the Tarantino a, method. It gives an appropriate feel and, so uh, Yeah, that, it, I, I totally it agree. It sets a mood and it doesn't, it doesn't grab your attention and say, pay attention to me. If you, yeah, if you, well, there, there is no, um, ah, yeah, there, there, it feels to me like there isn't a soundtrack outside of those few. And it really, it's not all the boxing scenes are cut to this classical music. It's just a, at mm. the opening, well, my memory. I think it's, uh, and I then, think it's and then towards the end. Two, two boxing and one of the domestic violence is what my memory says, but I may not have it exact. Oh, it's weird that for me that was jarring because it kind of implied a kind of balletic grace to the boxing that was not on screen. I mean, people who like boxing, you know, there's a lot about it's, you know, it's a dance. It's an interaction mm. between these two warriors. Um, well, that, that, that first, um, sequence, so the equivalent of the credit, well, while we're seeing some of the credits, yes, where he's, he's, he is effectively dancing around in the ring, mm. and we, we basically don't see anything like that ever again. But yes, I think you're right. I, I you, you, that, that the, is the, what the, fans the... of boxing talk about. <laughs> I didn't feel like I got the only kind of bout that I felt like I really understood. I mean, there's uh, the, the Sugar Ray Robinson bit where he's so stubborn that he just stands up and takes a pounding because mm-hmm. he feels like he deserves it as well you know I, I feel like that you know that there is some some subtlety to Jake not a lot but he feels like he should get punched um that's I, the I'm, one I'm I... hypersensitive to dolly zooms <laughs> yes, yes, you are. yes I am yes you are yes you are <laughs> was that is that was there a dolly zoom during the final knockout punch I didn't notice no uh, if... what, what, before the fight, before the last fight with Robinson where he's suddenly swelling and becoming more important against the background of the ring yes yeah yeah I think uh, yes I do remember yeah um but I'm clearly not hypersensitive to um <laughs> It didn't feel like a film that told me a lot about boxing itself. They're all just told in very... Everything in his past is just told in these very brief, you know, one scene. Yeah, I, uh, I've, I've certainly heard boxing fans talk about somebody's style, and you don't, you don't get that. You don't get the rhythm and the balance and so on. No, you got, um, you mentioned you, before... You've got kind the of, capacity uh, to take punishment, absolutely. Well, that punishment, I think, is the word... <laughs> that I would describe these boxing scenes as. It's people getting punished and dishing out punishment, which I, I suppose ultimately is boxing, but there's a lot more to it than that. I, 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 I certainly get a religious subtext. I mean, nobody ever talks about God or religion in here, but it's obviously no. part of the cultural background. Yes. And, uh, uh, all right, Catholics don't have a monopoly on it, but they are one of the clichés of um, people who teach you about guilt when you're young. Well, I'm at the time when it hit, Hit me, ho ho, is, is when, he basically when Sugar Ray's handing him a pounding and there is a big, to me there's a heavy subtext of guilt and I deserve this and yes, mm-hmm. there's a, it feels like, um, I mean these are topics which Scorsese has touched, I mean he did The Last Temptation of Christ, <laughs> um, but, mm-hmm. uh, these are topics he's returned to. Um, he also seen well, uh, he does seem to have an attraction. Maybe that's me knowing a little more about Scorsese, but he does seem to have an attraction to this type of character. Um, 
And I just don't understand why, because he's an excellent filmmaker. It's really <laughs> well done. I just, why have such a really well done character study about someone with so little hidden depth or anything? Mm. And just why, why follow it through to the bitter end? I know what toxic masculinity does. That's, that's why it's toxic. There's a clue in the word. Um, perhaps. I, perhaps I'm being harsh, and, and I think maybe in 2021 we have a better understanding of that type of character now yeah. than uh, we did in the 80s. I, I, I promise I will stop quoting Pauline Kale, but... Um, <laughs> Please never promise that. <laughs> Someday. Uh, one of the things she, she noted in the review is, uh, b- before this was made, uh, that there'd been a series of articles called Guilty Pleasures where various filmmakers were told what basically said, what are the films you enjoy that aren't in any sort of set, in any sort of real sense good, but you, you like hmm. them anyway. And, uh, Scorsese mentioned several and one of, one of his consistent points was the characters are unlikable. Good job, Marty. So, uh, <laughs> all right, I will, I will quote from the review here. He, he likes movies that aren't covered in sentimental frosting that put the silliness mm. and killing and meanness right up front. But Raging Bull has the air of saying something important, which is just what he loved those cheapo pictures for not having. Yeah. So by making a movie that is all guilty pleasures, he's, he's making a new sentimentality. It's, it's about a character that he loves too much. Yeah. I feel that. And I don't understand why he loves. I do love Unforgiven. I, I, I mean, I love stories of redemption and mm. there is no redemption here for Jake LaMotta. He's, he's, he's an unsympathetic, un, unimaginative character who never grows beyond it. But, Can, but nor talk... is there failure. I mean, he's in the same position that a whole bunch of aging Xboxes would be. Yeah. Just physically <laughs> he's getting older. Um, and he doesn't seem to learn any lesser. I'd like to, at least touch in on the on the waterfront scene. Yeah. It's the one scene I wholly enjoyed, and that's because <laughs> I because it was verbatim from a different film, um, <laughs> and it made me wish that I was watching that instead. So the whole point in on the waterfront, Brando's character um, Malloy Terry Malloy is expressing to his brother um, his really eloquently uh, for Terry how his brother who has made him throw a, throw the most important fight of his career, mm-hmm. therefore ending Terry's career before it began. Um, just expressing as well as he possibly can in character the frustration that that has done to it and how he's never the same afterwards and how that was the end of him. And mm-hmm. during that scene, his brother... You could see it in the acting. His brother then decides the wrong that he's done to his brother and how he will then go and meet, I don't want to spoil the film, but then go and meet his fate and ultimately his death instead of his brother. It's an incredibly powerful scene. I mean, On mm. the Waterfront has its problems, but I flipping love it. Um, that is an incredibly powerful scene. Here, Jake Lamotta is quoting it verbatim. But, but he actually... was a contender. He, he was, he a, was contender. a champion. <laughs> yes, and his brother helped him every step of the way, and he still... <laughs> beat the shit out of his brother from an imagined slight um and i suppose you could argue that is a really good juxtaposition mm-hmm. I, ju- I i just found it frustrating uh, it didn't add any uh, understanding of jake lamotta to me i just thought yeah he's really an asshole <laughs> um <laughs> uh, I, it was a brilliant acting job i mean that is de niro acting as jake lamotta acting as brando acting as terry malloy and i thought mm-hmm. it was well done yeah but i'd still rather be watching on the waterfront <laughs> frankly <laughs> Yeah, so I, th- I think I'd just like to mention one other thing, which is mm. it, it is never... Uh, we, we have this ongoing theme of Jake thinking his wife is being unfaithful. Yes. But we never have evidence of this, either for or against. There's close, you know, the nightclub scene and with uh, Joey, there's there's some evidence that she has been sleeping around. Or you know, she she says something like. It would be like, consistent I'm... with that, but yeah, I, I agree. There's no. I, I don't there's think no there's something definitive, yeah. and I, I think that's part of the point. You know, he he doesn't know for sure. He's just going to go on what he thinks. Yes, and exactly. What he thinks isn't very nice. Yeah, his suspicion enough is enough to confirm it, <laughs> um, and even make him betray. It's really one true ally, his own brother. Mm. Um, and that he destroys that relationship never to return, despite the 
reconciliation <laughs> that we've discussed before. Um, Hit him in the face. What's it prove? It proves endorphin addiction, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'd like to, um, yeah, Scorsese. Uh, yeah, I, I have not seen any of his other films. I, I had a look. I'm, hmm. I'm slightly surprised, but I think he just doesn't really tackle subjects that interest me particularly. Yeah. Um, I I went into this really liking Scorsese on the strength of a number. I Goodfellas is one of my trademark favourite ta- films of all time. I just love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I could watch... Well, it fills my definition. I could watch Goodfellas, start it at the beginning again and be quite happy. I, mm-hmm. it's, there's something, but this... <laughs> and so I like Scorsese for that. Um, it has De Niro, it has Joe Pesci in, it has very unsympathetic characters. Um, it's about a gangster um but it works for me in a way that this film doesn't it sells the appeal of why anyone would want to be a gangster ray liotta's character as henry hill in goodfellas is charming and charismatic there are mm-hmm. there may not be more to him than what you see but you like what you see um so when he does unsympathetic things as he does in the film um you're with him. Uh, you're not with him, but you're shocked and you're like, oh, uh, it upsets you to see a character that you like doing that. Mm. Joe Pesci in it is this very effective, it's the same Joe Pesci, but he's, <laughs> he's an incredibly effective psychopath. You know, he's this character that is on the face of it comedic, but is terrifying because he will, mm-hmm. if he gets you in this, as Pauline Kael says, this trap of, uh, fuck you, fuck me, fuck you, fuck me, then it will end mm-hmm. in you getting shot or having your head slammed into a car door, which again, um, I know happens in Raging Bull, but the, <laughs> he hasn't got any of the rationalism of Jerry, and that makes him much more effectively terrifying. Yeah. Um, Robert De Niro is uh, a more interesting character. It's just... More fun and more interesting. On the other hand, could they have made that without first making this? Probably I mean, maybe, not. but yeah. Uh, but in a way, that Raging Bull feels like a parody of Goodfellas. It's got all the kind of the sing-songy dialogue. You were sleeping with me? Hey, you were sleeping with my funny? How the fuck am I funny? And it's, it's all that, only without any of the charm. I feel like I've come out of this less happy with Goodfellas than I was. Having, having, <laughs> <laughs> because... Uh, in a way, it shows these. Are, this is the film that Martin Scorsese's played, filmed with variations a lot. And uh, for me, for one reason, it works in Goodfellas for me, mm-hmm. and a, a very focused look at an unsympathetic character in a world that I have little about. But it sells me on the charm sure. and the excitement of it in a way that Raging Bull has nothing to sell. It's not trying to sell me anything. Mm. It's just showing me that. So I, I do like Scorsese, but I'm less of a fan having seen this because it makes <laughs> me think, makes me wonder what it is in Scorsese that finds this character fascinating because I just find him unpleasant and distasteful. What fascinates me perhaps is that if there is such thing is how does society both enable characters like Jake LaMotta and encourage them and then kind of use them and discard them? And then there's someone else's problem, yeah, which um, maybe comes back to the Vietnam War that we've been talking about recently. I'm also seeing this as what while he's on the way up, uh, he he can be as uh, dodgy as he likes in his private life, but you know he's getting people to organise the money for him, and he does not strike me as a guy who's good at organising money. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough, yes. You know, his, his 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 brother, his manager, is getting the engagements and all the rest of it. You know, and and when uh, Vicky's leaving, says, "I'm a bum without you and the kids." Yeah, you were always a bum, but <laughs> yeah. but she was covering for you. Yeah, Joey yeah, was covering for you in order to let you do the thing you do. Pushed everyone away. Yeah. Maybe there's a parable to be made there, but I don't know. <laughs> if there's a lesson from it, it is look at everything that Jake LaMotta ever did in his life and do the opposite thing. <laughs> that's, that's the tip. So you're saying lead with the left? Uh, uh, <laughs> you may have missed that. <laughs> um, anything more to say about, oh, uh, the black and whites. How did you feel about it being very consciously black and white? Well, yeah, I, I think this probably has less effect on me than it would have on a contemporary audience because my standard viewing of films is across decades. If a film yeah. is in black and white, that doesn't surprise me. It's only when I remind myself, yeah, you know, this, this is after Jaws. This is after all these other things. Yes. It's, it's after Rocky, I think. 
It's after Rocky. Rocky was late 70s, 78, yeah. maybe, 77. So it, it, it's when I remember the context and I think, yeah, okay, now that that is a bit more... Uh, I, I believe what I, I read that one of the reasons for that was so they, they were watching some early test footage and somebody said, yeah, but hang on, your, your 40s, 50s boxing gloves, they just weren't that colour. Right, so they were much and uh, anybody who actually, And anybody who actually saw a fight in those days will remember that. And that's going, oh, right. be, so that's just... going to be some part of your audience, but but that was that was one reason for it. Also, of course, it, it makes it easier to show the blood because it doesn't look like blood. Exactly. Yeah. Way. So the reason I so that's an interesting one. I see that it made it easier uh, to for the verisimilitude, I suppose, and made it less. Uh, I would have been interested to see the color. Um, but I agree. Yeah. I, well, one of the other reasons was yeah, there was so much he wanted to show a load of blood. Mm-hmm. Um, I, to me, watching the film felt a bit like there's the scene. Uh, oh, I've moved away from the black and white now. Black and white, <laughs> I, I, to me, it, it's very self-consciously artistic, and therefore I am saying this film is important. To make a film in black and white nowadays, or even in the 80s, you are making yeah. a statement, and the statement really is, I think this film is important. And I Though I, I think this may be one of the films that caused that to be an association people made. I mean, okay. no, nobody's going to look okay. at The Night of the Living Dead and say, you made it in black and white because <laughs> it's important. They're saying you made it in black and white because it's cheap. Ah, yeah, our very last episode. I didn't think of that, though that was <laughs> 10 years previous. Um My summary of how it felt to watch the film, there's a moment uh, during the Sugar Ray Robinson fight where uh, Jake gets punched in the face and the front row of judges get showered in blood and look very faintly unhappy and undisturbed by it. That, to me, was watching the film. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Well, oh, let's check in on Masterpiece. Was Raging Bull, is Raging Bull a masterpiece by our definitions? D- did you enjoy it and was it a masterpiece? Well, clearly the first first part is no. I think, yep. I don't think it's been directly imitated that much. But I do Not think, that I'm aware of. But I do think that elements from it have been. Um, I mean, it's, it's getting away from linear storytelling. It's, it's showing only the important bits. Mm. It's not the first film to do that, but but it's it's making a virtue of it. It feels to me the most influence he had is on Scorsese himself, that every mm. film I've seen of him. <laughs> that's not true. I mean, he's done a lot of films that aren't very Scorsese-y, like The Wolf on the Wolf of Wall Street and The Aviator, both of which I, I do like. Um, uh, uh, mainly, weirdly, mostly have Leonardo DiCaprio. Um <laughs> I don't know that. Yeah, I agree. It felt more like it was strongly influenced by rather than influencing in, mm. influencing, and maybe that is where we struggled a bit. It's my unforgiven analogy. We haven't really seen the westerns to to see what point so, you're trying yeah. to make about boxing films, and that might be. What, what, was was also, I mean, they have been, they have kept making boxing films and, yes. sport, and sports films in general, and uh, specifically Rocky films. None of none of which I have seen, so I really can't say. What, yeah. is, 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 the, is the next Rocky after this one influenced by this? Maybe I just don't know. So yeah, fair point. Um, I think for well, for me then, extremely well crafted, not a masterpiece. This, mm. uh, that may be going against. Uh, I mean, I, I struggle to find many negative reviews apart from Pauline Kale. Um, it, it did get s- quite a few Oscar nominations, but it mostly lost out to Ordinary People, which was the big film of the year. And yes. I've got to say that I don't think that has aged any better than this. No, I, from what <laughs> I remember of Ordinary People, um, this at least ah is more artistic and more yeah. I mean, ordinary people's just white white people problems, as far as I remember. <laughs> um, and I, oh, I would hesitate to say I prefer this, but I, I do. I would at least make the strong argument this probably deserved the Oscar more than that. Um, <laughs> not sure that's saying much, though. Oh dear, not my favourite, not your favourite either, by the sounds of it, Roger. But um, am I glad I, I watched it? Yes, you are. Okay. I, I, d- I didn't enjoy it, but I'm glad I have now seen it. And not only because I don't have to see it again. But... <laughs> I feel like it's one of those films you, you probably should see if you have an interest in films. Um, at hmm. least, well, you've you got to know what you like and what you're doing. I, uh, I think it's very artfully crafted, well-made biography about a character who I have no interest in. Yeah, i go along with that. So, top ten box office of 1980? 
Oh, yes, please. Uh, starting at the bottom, a, a little thing called the Blues Brothers, number 10. Oh, I like that perhaps not as much as everyone else likes it, but I like it. I definitely like it. it, it it's self-indulgent, mm. and it, it tries to carry you along with it. And if you're in sympathy with the characters, then it works. And if you're not, then yeah. it doesn't. So It also led to Ghostbusters, so I find it hard to <laughs> feel bad for it. Uh, number nine, The Blue Lagoon, uh, romantic oh. survival drama. Yeah, oh, yes. They, they get shipwrecked. They fall in love. I prefer Lord of the Flies. <laughs> uh, number eight, Smokey and the Bandit 2. Oh my goodness. Burt Reynolds is, uh, is dominating our, our recent lists. Mm -hmm. um, quite right too. That, see, that's entertainment. As a director, yeah, Hal Needham was a great stunt coordinator. <laughs> I, I've also inadvertently quoted Jake Lamotta when I'm saying dead to team. Anyway, <laughs> but there we go. Uh, so, uh, number seven, Coal Miner's Daughter. Uh, that is uh, basically a biographical musical of Loretta Lynn, uh, oh, starring okay. Sissy Spacek. I have heard that it was... Sissy Spacek's never cropped up in our film, but we didn't do Carrie. Uh, yeah, end, but... yeah. Badlands. Oh my god, dear me. My memory is just terrible. Well, she was very good in Badlands. Uh, number six, Private Benjamin. Uh, sheltered Jewish woman joins the army. Oh, is that Goldie Horn? Mm, I think so, yeah. Uh, haven't right. seen it. That's alright. That's alright. Number five, Any Which Way You Can. Sequel to Any Which Way But Loose. Yeah, get it, me. Nothing uh, funnier than an orangutan and Clint Eastwood. Well, number four uh, was, I, I think it would be fair to say, a, a step change in, in comedy filmmaking, Airplane. Oh, that is a masterpiece. Come on. <laughs> I not, know I'm not going to argue with you. Oh, my God. That, oh, oh. The, the, whole, oh. the whole principle of, if this joke, you, you, you haven't had time to not be laughing at a joke because three more have come along. Exactly. Just Had not visual been done gags. Or, and, and, uh, just... and taking some, some of the really classic actors known for their straight roles and just giving, yeah. giving them stuff to, completely ridiculous stuff to say, utterly deadpan. But, yeah, it's, it's... Lloyd Bridges, Leslie News. And mm -hmm. also just, oh, no, I've got to stop talking about Airplane. Just what it gets so right is, it's actually because I know they bought the plot from, what was it, Airport? Zero uh, Hour is the film they remade it from. Zero. That, because the plot itself is completely serious mm -hmm. and the characters are not aware that they're in a comedy. Same with Naked Gun. It just works so well. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing that works for me as well. That's where it, when it doesn't work is when they get to like Dracula dead and loving it. But anyway, let's do it. <laughs> uh, so num oh, number three, goodness. Stir Crazy, which is Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor, uh, yeah. prison comedy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Number two, nine to five, workplace comedy. Uh, I haven't seen it, but it, it's well spoken of. I have uh, nine to five on my, um, oh, dear me, I still have an iPod because I'm so old fashioned. Um, on, I, I like the song, yeah. I like Dolly Parton. <laughs> Dolly Parton's a fast, I'd rather watch a biopic of Dolly Parton than mm. Jake the Mod. Anyway. And at number one, The Empire Strikes Back, which, I, 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 I don't think film about? I, I don't think you will argue with me if I say that this is the best of the Star Wars films. Uh, no, I, I yes, I mean clearly, C certainly for me. That's not an opinion. That's established. <laughs> it, it's the one they got an actual science fiction writer to work on. Mm. It's the one that wasn't directed by George Lucas. Yes, <laughs> crucially. Um, yeah. Oh dear. I like Return of the Jedi, but I saw it a few times. But they, they all have their moments. Yeah, but I, this this is the one that sticks with me. This is the one. Well, actually, the thing that made me a Star Wars fan is the West End Star Wars West End game, Star Wars role playing game, mm -hmm. um, which is really good. That's fair. Um, but uh, the Empire Strikes Back is the one that still moves me emotionally, even now. Even having watched it many, many times, mm -hmm. I think many of the others would fail to do that. Maybe Return of the Jedi. All right, uh, every single one of those I would rather watch <laughs> than <laughs> Raging Bull. Um, but there we are. Might might be a toss up for Smoking the Bandit too, but yeah, probably. No, no, I would rather watch Smoking. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we are. That is that is the end of our dissection of our first Scorsese. Maybe not on it. Well, we'll see how things pan out. Sooner or later, I'm going to watch Goodfellas, and we might well watch Goodfellas for this. 
I'm stressed now because I don't think you'll like it because I think <laughs> it's so like it's so like this film. It's just got a lot of other elements. Hey, um, roll the dice. I liked Jaws. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, fair point. All right. Well, in that case, it only remains for me to ask you one thing, Roger. You were sleeping with my wife. Pretty sure I've never actually. Oh no, sorry, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> let me just check, let me just check the book. That'll make things simpler. Oh my god, this this closing statement got a lot more complicated than I was expecting. <laughs>